morning, everybody. Hopefully, as you came in this morning, you grabbed a communion cup. Um, if you have not, there are some ushers around who will be able to give you those, so just stick your hand up real quick, and we'll get you that here. Don't worry, we're not taking that right away, so you have some time to, to grab that. It is amazing to be here this morning in front of all of you. You could have been anywhere. In fact, you could have been camping. You could have used this as an excuse to stay home because it was too wet or because you didn't get the message that we moved it to MCA. You could have been anywhere, but yet you chose to be here. And so for that, I am, I am thankful. I'm thankful to stand behind this pulpit and thankful for MCA for allowing us this opportunity to gather here. I don't hold this opportunity lightly, and I pray that you all understand that. The amazing thing about this is if we look back one year ago, if we look back to September 1st of last year, that was my first official business as the minister of Fredericksburg Church of Christ. And as we passed over Wednesday, that was September 1st. And so this event, this community service, holds a special place in my heart. But as we move forward, looking back over this last year, I was, I was eating lunch with my mentor earlier, couple, earlier this month, or earlier last month, actually, since now we're in September. Summer kind of flew by. But he asked me after critiquing some of my prior sermons, because I've only been at this for a little over three years now, he goes, so are you getting comfortable with it? And I said, honestly, no. He said, what are you nervous about? I said, well, absolutely everything. And he said, good. The day that I become comfortable standing behind this pulpit is the day I know that I'm no longer called to ministry. Because this isn't something that just happens. This isn't something that you grow accustomed to. But today, I'd like to thank you all for allowing me this opportunity. This morning, we don't represent just MCA. We don't represent the Presbyterian Church. We don't just represent the Church of Christ. This morning, as it should be, we represent the followers of Jesus. And for that, I am most thankful. But as we get into this this morning, I was thinking about Labor Day. And what does that mean? Often we think of barbecues, and we think of, you know, camping out. We think of getting together with family. We think of all these things. But labor, what does that mean? For most of us, we, we think of it as kind of, oh, it's our job. It's what we do for a quarter of our day. It's that nine to five. It's that wake up, go to work, come home, eat, go to sleep, do it again, over and over and over again. And that's kind of what we've, what we've made it. It's kind of what we've made church sometimes. Oh, it's Sunday. It's time to wake up and time to go to church. Hopefully we beat one of the other churches to lunch. And as I was thinking about this, three questions came to mind. This wasn't all we were created for, was it? Question one is, why was mankind created? Question two is, how do we balance this life, the life that we're living, and the next life, eternal life. How do we balance that? And question three, how do I honor God in all of this? How do I honor God in the little things and the large things? And there's a couple verses that that explain each one of these. And as we go through this, hopefully you're answering these questions for yourself. I'll give some little feedback here and there. Hopefully you're answering it for yourself. 
And so as we start here, if you want to open up to Colossians chapter 3, that's where we're going to spend a bulk of today's message. Now this comes at the end, hopefully wrapping everything into a nice little package for us to take home. Hopefully. Life always isn't a nice little wrapped package, though. So once again, that's Colossians chapter 3. Before we start off, but if we're going to look in in the beginning and look at why mankind was created, it kind of makes sense to open up to Genesis, the very beginning, the creation of all things and why mankind was created. And as my pages stick together here, we will go to Genesis 1, verses 28 through 30. God blessed them, them being male and female, being his creation. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth. And every tree whose fruit contains seed, this will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And so it was. Now if we look at this, this tells us why we were made. It may not seem like it, but it tells us exactly why we were made. The very first line God says to Adam and Eve here, more specifically Adam, is to be fruitful and to multiply. This isn't just talking about childbearing. This is talking about every plant, every living thing, every creature. When God first created Adam, he created him and told him, subdue the earth. Name every living animal that you see. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot of work to me. There are a lot of creatures out there, and this sounds like a lot of work to subdue the whole earth, to grasp the whole earth, to spread not only mankind, but to spread all of creation. That seems like an awful lot of work. Now, there's another thing. We weren't just designed to work. I know it sounds like that's a lot of work in itself, but we weren't designed just to work. I'm going to flip here to Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we get a peek at our next purpose. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Created for him. That's something special right there. Not only is all of everything you see outside of these walls. Now, I grew up in Canton, which is a little bit different than living down here in Fredericksburg now. Just a little. But I always driving down here, seeing the trees. I remember at the, the Easter sunrise service, I remember standing there before everybody got there, I remember just praying and watching that sun kind of peek behind the clouds and kind of wondering if we were going to miss the sunrise because it seemed like it was coming up really fast. But I remember just looking over the hill and seeing all of creation. And it was such a beautiful scene to see all of this, all of those trees, all of that greenage and the rolling hills. And I've been, to, been on mission trips to, to places like Nicaragua and Camden, New Jersey, and I've seen different aspects of creation. I got to play catch with a baseball on the side of a volcano. 
And seeing all of that, God created every last bit of it. But yet more amazing than that creation is us. Is us. Everything in this earth points to God. All of creation points to God, and he says that we are more important than that. Everything God created brings him glory. We are designed to bring him glory. That answers number one. We're designed to work, and we're designed to bring God glory. Those are our two main purposes of this life. Yes, there's lots of things that fall into those two things, but that is our main purpose for this life. To work, to make a living, but also to bring glory to God. Now, as we notice, these next two questions, they kind of answer the following one, and then the next one answers the previous one as well. And so this all builds on top of each other. Now, if we're only supposed to work, and we're only supposed to bring glory to God, that doesn't leave much time for other things. Or does it? We often have this conflict of, of, well, I have to work, and I have to make this money, and I have to pay off the mortgage, and I have to do all these other things. And in the Bible, it says about selling all of your possessions and giving it all away. Does that mean I'm supposed to do that? No. But there's a fine balance between this living, this life, making it through this life, paying the bills, paying the mortgage, getting your child's braces, getting your children through school, but then focusing on the afterlife, focusing on the eternal life, focusing on heaven. And so how, how do we balance that? And we get kind of a picture if we flip into Luke. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. And this is kind of an interesting story. This is right in the middle of, of Jesus' parables. If you know anything about Jesus' parables, some of them don't quite make sense. Other of them, you're like, Oh, well, that makes perfect sense, Jesus. No wonder you said that. I'm glad I understood that. Parables don't make sense until they're supposed to make sense. Until you go through that aspect of life, then a parable will make sense. Not all parables are written for all people. And so that's an important message as we read through this one, because I struggle with this one. I really do. Because if we look at this, this is the, the parable of the shrewd manager or the dishonest manager. And here in the story, I'll summarize just to, so I'm not reading huge bulk of scripture, but to summarize, this manager got, or a employer got word that one of his managers was wasting his money, wasn't being very honest with his dealings. And so because of this, the manager was worried. He got scared. He was going to get fired. He realized if he got fired, he wasn't going to be able to pay those bills. He wasn't going to have a house for his wife and his kids and all of his possessions and his brand new sports car might be gone. Okay, there's no brand new sports car in this, but for illustration's sake, you can understand where I'm going. And so, in order to protect himself, in order to save himself, he went to a couple of his employer's debtors. He said, how much do you owe, owe my employer? First guy says, I owe you $100. He goes, go back to your books, mark it down as 50. So he goes back and marks it down as 50. He says to the next one, how much do you owe? He says, I owe 100 as well. Mark it down to 80. And then he goes on to the third one, and he says, mark it down as well. And so we, we think of that. We see that story, and we think, well, what's he doing? He's cheating his employer. This isn't good. And yet Jesus commends this manager. 
Jesus commends this man because he's planning for the now. He's planning for what he's going through. It's not that Jesus likes the fact that he's, he's losing his employer money. He likes the fact that he understands he has to live this life that he's in. If you don't prepare for the life that you're in, you can't prepare for the life that will be given to you in heaven. And so it's kind of an interesting story. If we, leave, if we read here from verse 10 through 13, whoever is faithful with very little is also faithful in much. Whoever is unrighteous in very little is also righteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with much, so whoever is faithful is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous is very little also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful what belongs to someone else, who will give to you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If you are not prepared, if you do not plan for this life, how is God supposed to grant you that peace in the next life? This is what Jesus is saying here in this passage. Plan. Live in this life, but live with the focus of the next life. That's what this is saying to us here. So does that mean I have to sell all of my possessions? Does that mean I have to become a monk or a nun or live in isolation on top of a a pillar and chain myself to that pillar for the rest of my days? That's a flashback to some saints of ancient days. You can research those stories. They're kind of interesting. Does that mean I should live in a convent and live with people like myself and, and we share all of these things together? Those are good things. But are you called to those things? Does that mean I should live humbly? Should I, should I wear my shoes until they have holes in them? Should I, should I not want that car? Should I drive the car until it falls apart? Should I not dream of that bigger house? Should I not have goals of becoming that manager of whatever business I'm in? That's not what this is saying either. Dream big dreams. Do big things. You want that bigger house, work for it. You want that nicer car, work for it. But remember whose it is. Remember whose it belongs to. If God grants you that that sports car, if God grants you that nice house, if God grants you nicer clothes, are you willing to give up those things if God calls that from you? Who do you serve? Do you serve that money? Or do you serve God who is so much bigger than all of that? That's the question you have to ask yourself. So in answering number two, we are called to enjoy this life because God created this life. God created the little children of this world. God created the people who design our phones, who design those fancy cars, who build amazing houses. That takes skill. That takes talent. That takes a gift from God. But remember where those gifts come from. Remember who's in control. Remember, as the skit said this morning, remember who sits on the throne of your heart. And so that brings us to our our third question. How do I honor God? 
How do I honor God in all of this? How am I supposed to do all of this and still focus on God? How am I supposed to live this busy, chaotic life with everything going around from our government to the Middle East to everything? Every time I turn on the news, every time I turn on the computer, every time I do anything, I'm bombarded with everything. Anybody else feel like that? Anytime I do everything, I'm bombarded with everything. And I've said this before in different devotionals and different studies that I've done. How do I honor God in everything? You honor him in the small things, and you honor him in the large things. It's easy to see the large things in life and say, thank you, God. Thank you. You are so good. It's a little harder to wake up to a, a screaming child or something like that, and, and they're hungry, and then you open the cabinet, and you realize there's nothing there. But then you remember someone went to the store. Thankfully, your wife remembered, and there's the box of cereal sitting right there. Are you thanking God for that? Was God involved in that? Most definitely, God was involved in the small things as well. On the flip side of that, thanking God for the large things, thanking God for the small things, we sometimes live in a world that likes to blame God for the bad things, don't they? Oh, well, God isn't love. God isn't a good God. God isn't a nice God. Why would he allow all of this stuff to happen? Everything you see on the news, on the TV, why does God let that happen then if he is such a good God? That's a question we all struggle with, isn't it? Even though we call ourselves Christians, we struggle with those tiny details. God is good. God is love. Because we can, we can blame God for that. We can be mad at God for that. We have a whole book of Lamentations that says how to lament to God, how to express our frustrations to God. But God's grace, God's plan is so much bigger than all of that. And so if we want to blame God for the big things, we have to also blame God for the small things. How many of you have blamed God whenever you've gotten the flu? Whenever you've stubbed your toe? Whenever you get a paper cut right here in the palm of your hand that seems like the worst place in the world until it happens, do you blame God for that? Because you can't have one without the other. You can't praise God for the large things without praising God for the small things. And if you're going to blame God for the large things, you have to blame God for the small things as well. Otherwise, your logic is completely, completely flawed. And so, we have to praise God. We have to honor God in everything small and large. And this is where we get to chapter 3 in Colossians. How do I honor God in everything? Once we accept Christ, once we, once we put our belief in Christ, once we put our faith in Christ, verse 5 says, Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self and with it its practices, and have put on the new self. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. You're being renewed in the image of your creator. 
because you have chosen to follow your creator. Therefore, you're being made like him each and every day that you follow him. And so Paul here nicely, nicely groups some of these things together on what not to do. Not falling back into your old ways of life. Not falling back into the things of, of sexual immorality, of impurity, of lust, of beautiful desire, of greed, of idolatry. Not falling into the things of anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language. You're not doing these things because you're being changed. These are what you used to do. I remember being young and being in fifth grade and, and hearing the first cuss word and thinking, oh, that kid's edgy. That kid's kind of cool. And then I said it and immediately cried because I thought I was going to hell. I'm thankful for God's patience. I'm thankful for God's righteousness. I'm thankful for God's grace. And so these are the things that not to do. However, Paul and Timothy nicely in Colossians, not Colossians, I combined two books of the Bible. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy, dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so are you also to forgive. But above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So that answers our question right there. How do we honor God in everything we do? Every day, as chosen ones of God, as ones who have accepted God, as having been accepted by God, we are to put on love, put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility, gentleness, and patience in everything we do. In everything we do. Now, before I was in ministry, I've only been doing this for three years, and so before this, I worked all kinds of different jobs. I worked at a landscaping company. I worked at a hardware store. I worked at a retirement center. And actually, the shoes I'm wearing today are from my job when I worked at Applebee's. I kind of wear these as a reminder of where I came from. Because when I first got these, these were really nice, and they are really cushioning, and they helped standing up for a long time. But after about a week, they broke down, and now they're the most uncomfortable shoes I own. But we're not really called for comfort all the time, are we? Standing behind here isn't comfortable at all. I'm the most introverted person in the world, and after I go home tonight, I would rather just go to sleep for the rest of the day. But that's not really possible at the moment. So working in these different industries, I've dealt with a lot of different people. There's only so many ways you can answer the same question over and over again. It's hard when dealing with people to show people patience. It's hard when dealing with people to show people grace. It's sad when dealing with people to show them kindness. And for me, I'm one of those people who wears my heart on my sleeve. Me and my wife were joking about this last night. When I am angry, you can tell. When I am upset, you can tell. And so working at Applebee's, depending on people's kindness, because if you know anything about the restaurant industry, it's very hard. And you depend on the graciousness of other people. You depend on doing a good job. But this is what we're called to do. We are called for compassion. We are called to kindness. We are called to humility, gentleness, and patience. All the time, everywhere, with everyone. 
despite being in this room, despite being in this community, wherever you are, despite being in the same beliefs, we are called to love everybody the same. Love everybody the same. That brings us to Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. We are all called to something. It may seem like the smallest thing. In fact, often, before getting into ministry, I often wondered what God was doing with me. I went to college, I got a history degree, I was going to be a history teacher, I was going to be a baseball coach. This is what I was going to do. I was going to have my first kid by the time I was 25. I was going to be married by the time I was 23. I had all of this all planned. But where was God sitting in this plan? I graduated college, and my first job after college was working at a recycling plant, sorting through other people's garbage. That's not my plan. That wasn't my plan at all. And I remember sitting on that trash pile. I remember going out to my car, and I remember calling Krista. I remember just breaking down and crying, wondering what I was doing, wondering what God was doing in my life. God wasn't done with me even though I thought he was. So for those who who do sit in a recycling center, for those of you who do sort trash, who are those of you who do wake up and work nine to five just punching numbers on a typewriter? I guess we don't use typewriters anymore. I just really dated myself on that one. I'm only 32. I'm not that old. But whatever you do, verse 17 tells us, whatever we do, do for the glory of God. Do for the glory of God. And I want you to reflect on these questions throughout the week, throughout life, because these are life questions. But really, as you look at these questions, ask yourself, where, where are you in these? Do I understand my purpose? Do I understand why I am created? Do I understand why I am the way I am? Because we are all unique and individual for unique and individual things. We are called to each thing. It takes special people to be teachers. It takes special people to be nurses. It takes special people to drive around Fredericksburg and pick up people's trash. But whatever you do, regardless of what it is, regardless of however small it feels, do to the best of your ability as if it is for God and not for man. And that's what today's message is. You may ask yourself, why? You may ask yourself why it all matters. Because this life, the things that we enjoy in this life, the things that we do in this life, the pain that we go through in this life, it will eventually all go away. Eventually, this life will end. Now, I told my wife this morning that I found something. My girls like to, to collect rocks. And I found one of their rocks in the kitchen this morning. I bet none of you can really see that. But let's look at the room that we're in. Let's compare this little speck of a rock to the room that we're in. It's not very big, is it? I mean, to an ant, this is huge. But in the grand scheme of things, this rock in this room, actually, let's magnify it. Let's go this whole building. Let's do it again. Let's go this whole, let's go the whole town of Fredericksburg. Actually, let's go the whole state. That still doesn't compare to this rock. If it symbolizes our life, it doesn't compare to the smallness 
of eternity. It doesn't compare at all. And so are you living for this speck? This rock? Are you living for the greatness that is to come? Are you living for heaven that is to come? And there's one way that we get there. There's one way that we turn this speck into something as great as heaven. And that's through the acceptance of Jesus. And that's why we have this. We have this bread and we have this juice symbolizing what Jesus has done in order to get us to heaven. Now at Fredericksburg, we've been studying the book of Romans. We've been going verse by verse through Romans. And it's been hard. It's been difficult. Romans is not a fun book to study or to look at much because it takes a lot of self-reflection. But there's one thing that Romans says over and over again is that God is righteous. And all we have to do is believe. And so if you believe this morning, I'll pray and then we'll take the elements of this cup. And then I'll pray again before we leave. But remember what this symbolizes. The body broken for each and every one of you. The blood spilled for each and every one of us so that we may inherit the gift of heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for looking at at all of creation and knowing that you created us to be special. You create us unique and you create us as individuals, but yet you bring us together as a family of believers this morning. Lord, as we take these emblems, may they remind us of your sacrifice. May they remind you, bind us of you sending your son to die so that we may live. It's in Jesus' most holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to to gather as a group of believers, not only as MCA or the Presbyterian Church of Fredericksburg or the, the Fredericksburg Church of Christ, but Lord, as a full body of believers. Because regardless of differences, regardless of different church buildings, regardless of any thoughts or opinions, we are of the same team. Lord, I pray as we leave here, we are able to, to see your glory despite the dark clouds, able to see your glory despite the rain that may fall. Lord, in spite of ourselves, you choose us. And for that, I am most thankful. Lord, I pray as we leave here today, as we leave as a church under one name, the name of Jesus, that we're able to be a light and a guide to the community. 
that people are able to see us in everything that we do and see you. Lord, be with us as we go into our mission field this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Peace be with you, and God bless.